hear the word of God. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches on, of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity of their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of the others that your love is also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Two years ago, I, I had a conversation with a multimillionaire who was attending our church. This businessman owned companies, farms, airplanes, boats, and mansions. While he was sharing about his uh, material achievements, my stepfather asked him this question. What was the material achievement that brought the greatest joy to your heart? He paused for a while and said, well, I came from an extremely poor family. And my dream as a young boy, a young man, was to wear shoes. I just had a pair of old sandals. So when I was 90 years old, I went to work at a fruit and vegetable mark for the little tips the old ladies would give to me. And all the money that I got, I used it to handle to my mom in order to buy food for my family. But in that Christmas, my mom took the money and decided to buy a pair of shoes for me. When I wore those shoes, I felt an impractical joy that made me cry. No other material achievement in my life brought me the same level of joy when I wore shoes for the first time. This brief testimony makes clear that real happiness and material possessions do not bring happiness because they are expensive or luxurious, but think about what brought such great happiness. A pair of shoes, 
is something many of us take for granted. When our money and possessions are used just to exalt ourselves, they have, they have great potential to make our lives miserable. Consider the testimony of five other men of wealth. John D. Rockefeller. I have made, made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. W.H. Vanderbilt. The care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. John Jacob Astor. I am the most miserable man on the earth. Henry Ford. I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. And last, Andrew Carnegie. Millionaire, millionaires seldom smile. However, let's look back on this rich Bible passage that we read and we will discover how our possessions can help us to have a meaningful life today and in the eternity. So when we uh, check the verses 1 to 9 of this rich chapter, the Apostle Paul discusses the example of the Macedonians' remarkably generous response to the collection appeal. You remember what happened in the early church? The Holy Spirit just moved the church in Jerusalem to give away all their possessions. There were people from around the world who were saved. And through those possessions, those people could stay in Jerusalem for enough time to be trained. And then after that, the Lord just spread them among the nations in order to spread the good news, the gospel. Some scholars believe as a consequence of that and other cause, the church in Jerusalem struggled a lot and they were facing a very hard time. Now the Apostle Paul and the other apostles were just inviting all the Christians, all the churches to help the poor in Jerusalem, to help the churches who were struggling. And we can find uh, the churches in Macedonia were churches who were not wealthy with a small amount of money. But they give us a great example of how to invest our lives, our time, our talents, and also our treasure in heavenly treasures. So when heavenly investment becomes a reality in us, we overflow with rich generosity. We notice in verses 1, 2, 3, when Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Paul begins by making known to his readers the grace of God which has been shown to those churches. The Roman province in Macedonia, as I said, had these two remarkable churches, the Philippi and Thessalonica church. The apostle regards the generosity of the Macedonians as a result of God's grace in their lives. God is generous. 
And where His grace is genuinely experienced in people's lives, the evidence will be an abundance of love and generosity. The quite remarkable achievement or evidence of God's grace in the church of Macedonians is shown by the fact that their generosity was exercised in most adverse circumstances. When we face troubled times, we mainly think about ourselves, our problems. Generally, we wake up thinking about our problems, and sometimes we go to bed with those problems. But regardless of the hard time and persecution the Macedonians were facing, they also exercised generosity. And secondly, but equally remarkable, was the fact that the Macedonian churches responded out of their extreme poverty. They were not rich churches or rich people at all. The Macedonians were notable in generosity because they responded, responded while being in a condition of great need themselves. Our Lord and Savior Jesus made clear that when the grace of God transforms the life of a sinner, acts of profound gratitude will overflow their own lives. It was exactly what we find the woman who anointed and washed Jesus' feet. And while the Lord rebuked the uh, one of the hypocritical Pharisees, he shared the woman's motivation behind her action. The Lord says, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. I carry in my mind several great examples of the generosity of from the people of God. This last week, while I was preparing this sermon, I remembered brother, brother Espedito. He was a simple goat breeder. He was converted to the Lord in the first year of my ministry back in 2003. In an almost desert area in Brazil. And his family was facing a very hard time because one of his sons was involved in a murder and he was also convicted. So during those troubled times, the Lord did great things in his family and also saved his son. So I spent a total of seven years in that area and after I went to Japan. And in 2012, when, when I went to Brazil on vacation, we visited this small town 
uh, to preach at my former church. And the simple brother, Expedito, was there with his entire family. Extremely joyful for that reencount. And then I just shared everything that the Lord was doing in Japan and also in our missions in India and Rwanda. And at the end of the service, he came to me with a briming smile and said, My pastor, I have sold some of my goats this week. Please use this resource in this beautiful work. Because I knew he was from a very simple family, I said, dear brother, don't worry. Our churches in Japan are taking care of those missions. Just pray for us. He, with a serious look, answered me, my pastor, don't stop me from using a little of what the Lord has given me so that the gospel can do in their lives what it did in my life and in my family. Please. We should consider how we are using our resource God has made available to us. What level of generosity we really have. But not just us. Let's teach our children to share what they have. Not just with their siblings, what is already a hard work yet. Oh yeah, if you have one more than one children, you can testify this. But also with people we need around us. There is no shortage of people in much need of the gospel and a handout. Consider a family activity where your goal is to serve those in need. We are in summer. So swimming pool, beaches, parks, camps, lakes, many nice and good programs that we should invest time with our family, but also let's try to find time in our schedule to serve people in need. There are people in need in summer too. But when we look back to this beautiful church, we observe that they decided to make a heavenly investment. And when this happened, we serve as an inspiration to the other Christians. Look back to the verse 4 of chapter 8. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, to us. Sorry. We notice that... All these they have done of their own free will. It was not under pressure. It was just a response of love, but also vision in heavenly investment. They served as inspiration for all the other Christian communities. When Paul says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints... The apostle shares the three key words that exemplify the way the Macedonians became a model of heavenly investment. They showed favor, 
This word comes from the Greek word charis, is also the root word for gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And charis here is used to show that the Macedonians regarded the opportunity to contribute as a favor or privilege. They saw this as a real privilege to serve God people and to display love to the people around and to the Christians around them. They evidently understood the truth of Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But also, Paul used the expression taking part comes from the Greek word Koinonia, the same word for fellowship, indicates that their involvement was seen as participation in a large, larger entity as ecumenical act of compassion. The fellowship of the saints was shared through the generosity and inspired a wealthy church as the Corinthian church was. And by giving the last word, relief, renders the Greek word diakonia, the same root word for deacons, the one who serves. And it is used here to reflect the fact that the contributing to the collection was viewed as a Christian ministry. So those simple, poor Christians were example how to serve, how to serve the kingdom, how to love people, and how to make the right heavenly investment. The Macedonians' attitude invalidates all of our if-onlys, such as, if only I made more money, I'd help the poor. Or, if only I had a million dollars, then I'd give it to my church or to missions. If I'm dishonest or selfish, in my use of a few dollars, I would be dishonest or selfish in my use of a million dollars. And the Macedonians, the Macedonians church, churches made it clear. When the people with whom we share our lives regularly look to us, do they feel inspired? Maybe we can say, oh, I'm not concerned about this. But let me say, if we are disciples of Christ, we should be concerned about that. Because our Lord said that we are the light of the world. And one day, we will be accountable to him. So the way we spend our money, time, and skills, loving those who are despised by the world, is one of the most powerful ways we can make the light of Christ shine in this world of darkness. Once a politician from a powerful nation visit Mother Teresa at her orphanage in Kolkata. After a long wait, he asked if he could come to her because he had a very busy schedule. So they decided to take that politician to the 
bedroom where she was serving. And upon arriving at that room, Mother Teresa was helping to feed, to feed children with cerebral palsy. That impressive man turns to her and says, Not for all the money of this world, I wouldn't do that. She smiles and replies, Neither would I. She was doing because the love of God was expressed through her acts. But also, she had a heavily investment mentality. But finally, when we look to this powerful Bible passage, we observe that the Apostle Paul mentions Christ as the real inspiration, even though the Macedonians were example, Christ is the perfect example for us. He was rich, but he made himself poor in order to bring salvation for all of us. And then we turn to the chapter 9, where the Apostle Paul now is just calling the Corinthians to exercise the same level of free generosity in love their neighbors and the fellow Christians. But also, he says about what the Lord has for us. Chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now we notice in this session that when we intentionally invest in the kingdom, we are also investing in our future, in the new heaven and new earth, as we saw in the last sermon. In this session, Paul uses agricultural imagery to underscore the point made in verse 5 about a willing gift. Paul also depicts God as the one who enriches his people in every way for generous giving, so as to encourage all the Christians to be generous also. Then, he describes what results from he sees coming from the generous response of the Corinthians, which he has, or which he was expecting. When the seed falls into the ground, it rots as it germinates. In a sense, the farmer loses the seed he has sown. He runs the risk of seeing a larger part of the seed destroyed by weather conditions, pests, or insects. But as he sows, he trusts that God will give him us the satisfaction of reaping a harvest. Paul has in his mind not just a spiritual harvest, all the joy, the peace, all the fruit of the Spirit in the believer's hearts, all the good testimonies that we can watch about what God does when we use everything that we are to reach lost people or to relieve 
the pain of people who are struggling. But Paul also has in his mind all the heavenly rewards the Lord has for his people. As we shared, our salvation is only through the blood of Christ when we trust in his great work on the cross. But our eternally rewards at new heaven and new earth will be a consequence of the wisdom that we exercise while we are here. So, we should be wise as those simple Christians from Macedonia. And we should listen to God's voice calling us to serve Him and to love people among an extremely materialistic world. The missionary James Elliot put it succinctly. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Elliot was killed in an effort to evangelize the Walka Indians in Ecuador. But his death was instrumental in God's plan for leading those Indians for Christ and brought salvation. In 2001, uh, a fellow minister, a Brazilian Presbyterian pastor, Ronaldo Lindório, was ready for a new mission. After 12 years of ministry work in Kenya, in an enriched ethnic group called Kokombas, where the Lord gave birth to more than 20 churches, the Lord did great things. Ronaldo was convicted that the Lord was calling him to work in the Brazilian Amazon, to reach some of the 121 ethnic groups of native Indians who are not reached, who never heard the gospel, who are not saved. So the villages he would leave to research were a few days' walk into the forest. So they hired an indigenous guide who was a hunter and knew the forest well. It was four days of walking and still, no missionary agents had gone to that region. So, they needed to sleep in hammocks. The first night, they were walking and Ronaldo was sharing that the first day was feeling like Indiana Jones. Just advancing the jungle with extreme uh, excitement. But when they stopped to sleep in the first night, the Indian guide was just moving the hammocks and leaving the hammocks. And after almost two hours, he was annoyed. And he said, please, could you stop I want to rest a little bit. We still have three days walking. And then the guide said, it's because I'm afraid of jaguars. And there are many here. And he thought, well, if he is a native Indian, if he is a guide and know the jungle and he is afraid of jaguars, so I should be afraid too. 
So he didn't sleep for three days. In the fourth day, they just arrived and, and entered in one of those villages. Still without the gospel. There were three tribes in that area. The tribes of Cambeba, Miranha, and Cocanha. He says that when they entered the village, the indigenous people who were there were not surprised to see them. It was odd. And through a translator, the Indians told Ronaldo, Oh, we are preparing the, the ground here for tonight's service. And Ronaldo said, well, but I believe the translator didn't translate well. Uh, there is a kind of a problem. No, we're preparing, preparing for tonight's service. And Ronaldo just asked, uh, are you believers? They replied, but of course we are believers. Aren't you? Don't you know Jesus? And Ronaldo was astonished and said, oh, Who brought the gospel to you? What missionary agents? What missionary? And the Indians said, Missionary? What is this? But the person who shared about Jesus with us, it was Brother João. Brother João was a riverside fisherman. And he lives there, near at the river. And Ronaldo explained that he went to the floating to find out who Mr. or Brother Juan would be. And to his surprise, he, find, he found a, well, a well-aged hut with three or four frayed hammocks, a broken chair, in a pot. And Brother João was just on the floor trying to read his Bible with great difficulty. And the pastor said, Brother João, my name is Ronaldo. I'm a missionary. Brother João replied, One moment. He opened the window and shouted, Maria! Come here and bring the kids. A real missionary arrived. Ronaldo said for the first time in his life, he was embarrassed to be in a place as a missionary. Because he was there with the support of his church, financial support and also prayer support, with the right boots, the right clothes, with all the preparing. And he found that man without any support, but with a great love for Jesus. John told Ronaldo that he was a member of the Assembly of God, a riverside fisherman who lived in a place that had few fish. One day, he went into the forest looking for a river that had more fish and by God's providence arrived at the Indian's village. And Ronaldo asked, so did you find more fish here? He said, no, my missionary, we didn't. But for God's glory, 
we planted six churches, two in each village. When finally Maria with the four kids arrived, all living in extreme conditions, uh, he asked, Brother João, those kids, they don't attend school. Do you have a school here? He replied, no, my missionary, we don't have school. What will the future of these children be without going to school? And João said with all his simplicity of a poor fisherman, my missionary, what these children saw the power of God doing here, they will never forget it. This is the heritage they have here. And our Lord Jesus has a special reward for them at New Jerusalem. So, we observe or we notice there was a man who had no training and never used the term missionary or worker or anything. But he was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He understood that all of us are missionaries. We are fulfilling the great commission. We are just passing through these worlds. We can enjoy it. We can enjoy everything that the Lord gave us. But always remembering about our final destination. Where the Lord will give us all the rewards. Randy Alcorn perfectly concludes that we must realize once for all that fulfilling our desires and seeking rewards are not anti-Christian. What is anti-Christian is the self-centeredness that is unconcerned about God and our neighbors and preoccupation with the immediate immediately fulfilling of personal desires that distracts us from finding our ultimate fulfillment in Christ. The, per, the person who gives their time, talent, and treasure and possess, to receive rewards from God know that the greatest of which is to hear the resounding well done, good and faithful servant. This will be the greatest reward we will receive. One day, we're going to meet our Lord face to face. And all of us will be accountable. With great joy, enjoying the eternal salvation, but also enjoying what we received from the Lord through our service here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you because you gave us not just salvation, but every single day you're given to us Many, many different blessings, spiritual blessings and also material blessings. We live 
in a safe nation compared with many terrible places in this world. We live in a safe house. We have our jobs where we can just share the good news through our lives, but also provide to our family. So, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to have a heart for your mission, for the Great Commission. Give us wisdom to have a heart as the Macedonians had, to exercise love, generosity. Lord, help us to give this powerful inheritance to our children. Just teach them how to be generous, how to love people, and how to bring salvation to the places where your providence took us. I praise you, Lord, for this beloved and blessed church. I don't have words to express my gratitude. The way you are using HVPC session, Pastor Dan, and every single member of this congregation to bless my life, my family, and Fellowship Presbyterian Church. So, Lord, only you is the one who will give the right reward for this church. I praise you, Lord, in the name of our Savior. Amen. Before we worship, I'd like to say thank you, because... I can see love's God and generosity through your lives. And I can see many uh, qualities or remarkable qualities that I found in the Macedonia church. I can see in you, HBPC. Pastor Dan, thank you so much. Your mentorship and friendship and generosity is an extremely precious gift. And I already told you, uh, you and this church is one of the best gifts the Lord gave to me in the last two, three years of my ministry. Thank you for the wonderful time, for your patience, for your willingness to advance the kingdom through our ministry and reach many different nationalities and people in need of Jesus. And I'm not leaving. I'm part of this church and I will be here listening and being blessed through the sermons of our pastor, I believe that he will bring some great and powerful sermons as he feels brand new with his energy to the pulpit. And thanks be to God for all of you. I love you in Christ Jesus, and I'm so grateful for everything. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.